to Real Talk, Secrets to Success, a place where we get real advice from industry insiders on how to make it in the movie business. In this episode, I'm joined by Kimberly Browning. Having transitioned from music to filmmaking, she is now a director, producer, festival programmer, and founder of the Hollywood Shorts Film Festival. An expert on all things festivals, Kimberly knows exactly how to build a solid strategy that works best for your specific film. Welcome, Kimberly, to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. Absolutely. So I figured we would get started with you sharing a little bit about your background in the film industry and where you're mm -hmm. at today with your career. Sure. I actually started as a musician, as a performing musician. Music is my first art language. And then I got accepted into the USC School of Music. And then from there, started the cinema school, the USC School of Film was right next door. And so that created, um, I always knew I wanted to do, I thought I was going to do film and I thought I was going to do music and theater. And then like MTV started and it was like a light bulb moment, like, oh my God, all my favorite things. And there's, so I don't know that I necessarily knew I'm going to have a career in film as opposed to once I got on campus and had so many amazing relationships and collabs with people on the, then that summer I took like a film class over the summer and I was done. And, um, And that began my launch. And so it's funny though, my first opportunity didn't actually come, well, I guess it kind of came from school. I figured out how to get into the temp pool at Disney and got very lucky and got placed on a pilot where the production coordinator had gotten sick the first day of production, had to go to the hospital. And they needed somebody to answer phones in the production office because everybody was out on location. And I got placed on that job and it changed my life. That show ended up getting picked up at NBC. I got higher offered a job, which was incredible. And I took it. So I took some quote unquote time off school to go PA on this network show. And, you know, I haven't quite had time to go back and finish. So it really changed the trajectory of my life. And that I've been is, making stuff ever since. I was just going to say that it's amazing. And sometimes it's definitely just a matter of right, right moment. Being prepared in that moment. I, thanks to my mother, my mom, my senior year forced me to take typing classes which I was not grateful for at the time. <laughs> But because of that, when computers, when Macs came out, nobody knew how to use them really because people couldn't type. But I could type really, really well because of my mom. And so when I got hired to answer phones, I was able to then send maps to location and I knew how to print them out and I knew how to give people directions and I knew how to answer phones properly. So all of that really incredible stuff that that is part of of being a great filmmaker I didn't associate at the time but those critical skills so every time I I get a new opportunity or something great happens in my career I always call my mom and thank her for making me take typing and it's kind of our little gag between us she finds it hilarious So what would you say would be a key thing that can help one stand out when looking for that first opportunity? Because a lot of time people ask for experience, but when you haven't had a chance to get experience, how do you get that first opportunity to start building that experience? Sure. I think that, especially in the film and television business, we know when you're coming out, you don't have experience. And that's why... Disney has apprenticeships in their writers programs. And that's why production assistant or being on the desk at an agency are still time worn access points. But here's the great news, which wasn't possible when I started out, is that because of digital and technology, you can be building your skill set so that when you get on my set, 
it's not the first time you've been on set because you can control those opportunities for yourself. We live in a Facebook, Twitter, Insta, TikTok world. People are collabing all over the place. Any town that you're in, any city that you live in, even if there's just a local theater company, going in there and learning how to do props and do wardrobe and to produce a theater show, like anything that you can do. Um, any town that has even a community college that has an audio visual program means somebody's shooting something, <laughs> which means every weekend somebody's doing something. And so getting those dynamics and, and there's so much, especially during COVID, the phenomenal amount of accessibility in terms of learning and collaborating and panels and podcasts like this that doesn't cost you a dollar. Like there's no excuse to not soak up a ton of knowledge, but even if you're still just figuring out which of the 25,000 different life career paths is possible in, in film and television, you have to be on set and try a bunch of different things and be in post and try a bunch of different things and figure out, are you a writer? Are you a director? Are you a producer? Are you both? Are you an actor? Are you a combination of those things? Which means you got to go do it. And that's my only thing. I, ha I hate to be all Nike about it, but you just got to do it. I think that that's the great thing is also choosing what you're working on. It's more important of who you're working with. I'm almost not as concerned about the state of that first short film as who are you making it with? Are they people that have artistic sensibility? an instinct for creative, right? Because you don't want to be investing your time in your own learning path with people who maybe aren't going to have an artistic sensibility that's going to enhance you. And so I'd rather do one really good week of shooting with really, really talented people that I find a lot of artistic energy with then make three or four things to pack my resume, but the people just really maybe aren't on my same, like, I don't feel creative, you know, instincts. Does that make sense? Being on set for weeks and weeks with a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing is really informative in terms of teaching you how not to do things. But really, to me, that's the great thing of putting together, like, just like you did with Tina's group just got together and y'all made something. And that is critical knowledge base so that when you come to a big show and get that first kind of big PA job or that first apprentice job or that first writing assistance gig or that first camera assistant job, you've been on set or you've been in the production office or you've been in a post room and you have just a little tiny insight as to how workflow goes or who's in charge of what or more importantly, who is the right person to ask the questions? To me, who's going to be that person? Do you know who the right person is to go to when you need to ask a question? That absolutely makes sense. And especially I feel like in our industry where it's so much about who you know and people kind of continue to work with those they kind of bond with, you definitely want to make mm -hmm. sure you're making good good connections in whatever you're doing because if those people are successful and you had a good, you know, a, a good kind of feeling with, with each other mm -hmm. while you were working, that can open other opportunities in the future. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Hollywood Shorts. You ran a festival. So how did how did that come about? How was the process Absolutely. of putting that together? Sure. When we, when I, I came up with the idea of Hollywood Shorts, we launched in 19, oh my God, I'm saying this out loud, 1998. And at that time, especially in Los Angeles, there were very few festival events that you could get into. Like AFI was the only game in town. Uh, LA Independent Film Festival had just gotten off the ground. And I was fortunate enough to be a screener at AFI back then. And then when they started LA Independent, I was really, really lucky. I got hired there when they were first staffing up at the very first iteration of the festival that would grow and grow and grow and become the LA Film Fest and, and be this beast of a festival for many years. And so what was incredible is all these great films were coming across, 
but there were very few short, very few shorts programs. Very few short films got programmed at these big feature festivals and there was nowhere else in town. And so we needed a place in LA where you could show your film. Back then you had to rent a theater for like thousands of dollars. And then you had to go to Samuel French bookstore and buy the packet of the labels that had all the managers and agents, or there was a pack of labels with all the names and addresses of all the producers. And then you had to go print postcards and you had to put the labels on the postcards and mail them to invite people to a screening that you had, there was a screening room on Robertson Boulevard. There was a, there's still that Walter runs a screening room on Sunset. There were very few places and it was really expensive to rent a theater. And so the barrier to entry was just phenomenally difficult. So it was really important that we had a place where we, we were having to spend all this money to try to get our films into these big, huge feature festivals in Cannes and in New York when the people that were going to be part of the fabric of your next film went to your church, lived in your building, went to the Ralphs at 30 La Brea by your house. It was remarkable. And I just kind of had this epiphany. So that's kind of the, that was the inspiration. I happened to have a company that booked all the live music venues in LA at that time, because I was a musician. And so I had continued my music career and had a pretty rock and roll booking company. And I, I would promote, I was a promote club promoter. And I would book live bands. And, and this is right when VHS technology first took off. It just had landed, it was brand new tech. <laughs> and so all the cool music venues were installing thousands and thousands of dollars of screens and amazing projectors. And these venues had the best sound in LA. And so I convinced I was, booking bands at the Sunny Night at one of the clubs. And this guy owned like five clubs in LA. Like if you were in a live band, you played his clubs. From his clubs, you could get a gig at the Whiskey, right? Or the Roxy. So everybody came through there and it was the best live sound in town. And I convinced him to let me show at movies before the eight o'clock bands. And he said, yes. And it changed everything. And that was uh, October 9th, 1998. And we've been doing cool stuff for the film community ever since then. So we were the first short film program in LA and Southern California, maybe. So um, it's just grown and, and we've adapted to the times, but that's what it was. We needed somewhere where the picture was badass. The sound was fantastic. It started on time. You know, that was like a low bar, but there was nowhere else in town you could get that kind of and free where filmmakers could come from all over the country and have a screen in LA and meet the people they needed to meet. That's how Hollywood Shorts started. That is so great. And festivals are really important, especially when you're starting out because they're a great place to start making some connections. And that's actually some of the advice you gave us when we were looking to into festivals for our short film. Sometimes it's not about making the program, but just getting it in front of the right eyes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A lot of the festival submission process is introducing yourself to the 5,000 programmers around the world, even though, uh, you know, I now am part of a bunch of festivals. I am an associate short film programmer at Tribeca. I program, am on the programming team at Catalyst Content Festival, which specializes in episodic, which is a huge part of my world. I love making TV and helping other people learn how to make TV. And so it's it's a the festival circuit for both features and people moving into episodic, the community building. Many of us come into directing from other below the line positions or from non-entertainment positions and meeting your people and walking in the world as a director, walking in a room where people only know you as the writer is a journey because when people have known you to be the second assistant camera for a long time, um, it's really important for you and your artist journey to go in the room and be the director and have people see you as that and to find your, your people, your, your peer group. Who are the directors that you're gonna be walking on this journey with at the same time where your careers are progressing at the same time? 
You're going to find people who make films that blow your mind. And you're going to find a DP here and an actor here. And so there's so many more important critical growth and metabolism <laughs> that happens on, in, in terms of festival and the summer camp at all outside of, oh yeah, I got to get my film at this festival and win. That's not the definition of success. The definition of success is you submitted the film to me. I might not be able to program it in this festival, but I might see something really special and I'll start tracking that. They'll start, the festival group will start tracking. Remember, a lot of festivals have multiple programmers who also work at a bunch of other festivals. So something that might not be right for me here at Hollywood Shorts, but it might be perfect for a festival in North Carolina that I recommend films to every year. And so I'll get on the, you know, there's always this beehive of community and maybe there's some sound problems and maybe performances didn't really hit it. But I'll remember you two years later when you send me your next film that's so much better because of all the things you learned along the way of making that first one or the second one. And we're, you know, remember festivals are, are investing in a long-term relationship with you. And so that relationship starts from the submission process, not just because you got it. That is some great advice and definitely something to keep in mind because I think sometimes us filmmakers are so focused on like the non like you know being programmed and winning the the laurels and everything that we forget that there's a lot more than goes into it. But I wanted to ask, how can one go about making a solid festival strategy? Because a lot of people are kind of like, oh, I want to send it to all of those big names. And, you know, with the fees to submission, it can get a little bit pricey. And sometimes you end up putting a lot of money into a strategy that maybe isn't the best for your film. So what are some of the things you need to keep in mind when thinking of, of a yeah. strategy that will be like will be beneficial for your own project? So the film festival process is an experiential process. There's a lot about it. There's no book. There's no website that's got a magic pill. And so one of the most important things that you can do from the very beginning of growing up is having a production team, having a producer who's been on the festival circuit already, who really understands the culture and the ecosystems of each festival. Another really critical mindset change that most new filmmakers need to come through is that your, your understanding of the 10 festivals you can name. The biggest mistake most filmmakers make is that they apply to festivals they've heard of and not festivals that program their type of film. Hand in hand with that is understanding that you have two relationships with your film. One is your emotional relationship. It's your baby, it's your idea. It's your blood, sweat, and tears. It's about your grandma. It's about the first time you got laid. It's about the first time you had a kid, right? There's so many emotional elements. You remember how hard it was to get that shot. So you didn't want to cut it. There's all these emotional connections you have with the film, which makes you the filmmaker, unless you have a lot of experience at festivals, the last person who should have any opinion about what festival might want to program your film. So you got to get somebody in there that knows what they're doing, will give you straight talk because there's another relationship you have to have with your film, which is the business relationship. What's good for your film? Where are you going to be able to get your film on screens with people who can then get to know you and become your, not just your fan, but your collector? right? And so understanding that there are 20 different lanes in the highway of you beginning to introduce yourself to not just industry people, not just fellow filmmakers and potential future collaborators, but every single person at every single drive-in and screen virtual festival. And hopefully when we get back in the world, every single person that sees your short firm or your first feature that loves it, it's gonna be the person five, six, seven years down the road that's gonna get in their car, drive to a theater, pay 20 bucks, get some popcorn and see your film in a theater. It's a really long-term relationship. You gotta find your audience. And so understanding that our job as filmmakers, that this 
film is a commercial for you building a relationship, right? Quentin Tarantino, Kurt Sutter, Ava DuVernay can drop one tweet or one Instagram. Hey, I'm playing something Thursday, opens at midnight. And we will stand in a line all damn day long and pay 30 bucks and get dressed up to see that person film because they earned that from us. And so understanding that the, the journey that you have to get to that place starts with these films and being in places where you're going to meet audiences that love the way you tell story. And so that needs to be expressed beyond these 10 festivals that you've heard of. There's 5,000 festivals out there that have a different lane. And especially the short film world has a whole different ecosystem. So whether you bring in somebody like me that we're Hollywood Shorts has a film festival office where we do consulting on films and we, there's a program that, you know, is a monthly program where you learn how to navigate the circuit. We have one-on-one -on -one services and there's a film festival strategist that you can Google and find online. So, you know, a lot of films maybe don't have that kind of money to invest. Then it's really critical that you have somebody in your team that can be part of this business relationship that you have to have with your film that's unemotional, that's in the game for the only thing that's best for your film. When we get caught up in the, oh my God, my film has to get into like Locarno. That is a personal ego-based artist development emotion and need, an authentic need. We need to get appropriate feedback to know that the laughs in the right place, the scare was in the right place. People understood my storytelling, but that is my personal development as an artist and my need for somebody to pat me on the head and go, good job, because we are the only art form. We're not stand-up comedians and acoustic singer-songwriters that can just go to the club on Thursday or go on my YouTube and rock it and get instant response from an audience on a Zoom where I can tell that my music or my jokes are moving people. So a lot of times those screenings sometimes are the first emotional food we get as artists. And so because of that, you're assigning responsibility to festivals that aren't their responsibility on that side of the fence. Festivals are part of the business relationship of you understanding that you might've made some mistakes in your film. Your film might be well produced, but maybe the story is just not that engaging because you're growing and you're learning. And so I find a lot of short films, people making their first or second films, put so much pressure on their film to carry unrealistic water. For you to, to come out of the gate, we in the fifth grade learn how to run track, right? <laughs> and then somehow you're learning how to do this thing for the first time. And then within that first film, you're then supposed to make it to the Olympics, go to the finals and run the hundred yard dash against Usain Bolt and win. That's unrealistic. And so there's gonna be those films that those two or three films that pop from a first time filmmaker out of the gate, it's going to get into a big festival. But chances are you're learning your skill set and you need honest assessment of how your film's going to get scored. And so having somebody on the team that you can listen to that can change and put some gap between you wanting everybody to tell you that your baby's the prettiest baby that's ever been made in the whole world versus hey, this is yet another short film about an unarmed Black kid getting shot by a cop. Guess what? People have been making this movie for a really long time. And guess what? There's probably 500 of them on the short film circuit alone this year, not to mention features. So when you look at like Trayvon's short film uh, that just won Oscar on Sunday, that's a film that's in that kind of story DNA but he found a way to make it really unique and to change, you, you don't know, like it's a powerful film. Everybody's got to watch it. The film is, if anything happens, I love you. And it just won Oscar for short film. Again, he found a way and a unique storytelling style and a unique 
mm, series of events that the character's journey took it in a place we didn't expect against thousand other films out there, social justice films that are out there that festivals are seeing over and over and over again. So it's a long-winded answer, but I think it's really important that people give themselves the opportunity to learn and to not expect that your first film is going to go to Sundance. That's not a festival strategy. Giving Sundance 80 bucks and thinking you're going to get in and win is not a strategy. You've got to have somebody get in there to really evaluate what worked really well in your film, what's problematic and is going to impact your scoring. That's just a dispassionate objective. Here are just the facts. And it's not a dissertation on if you're going to be a successful filmmaker in the future. But just here we have this one commercial. If I've got a commercial for Coca-Cola and it's starring a bunch of kids from a Latino neighborhood, then that's a commercial that's going to be really effective on certain networks and certain platforms. It's going to get that attention. So why would you send that to a bunch of gamers? You know what I mean? Like understanding that there's so many festivals that have been doing this for 30, 40 years and that you might not know the inner workings and the inner need of the programmers that are programming films for their needs and their audiences and having somebody on your team that knows that knowledge base is really, really critical and giving yourself a break. Like your film's gonna go on a journey and there's gonna be an audience that's gonna love it. But festivals are a gauntlet and you gotta be really smart about how you put together a team that can walk you through maximizing your dollar, getting good results from that investment. And at what point in the process should you bring on that person, be someone like you that is mm -hmm. like uh, a coach uh, or someone in mm -hmm. within your own team? But at what point in the process should you find that person? When you, listen, any day is a good day to get great insight and great guidance. But if you're going to spend 30, 40, thousand dollars worth of people's time and and donations you want to make sure that the script that you if festivals are important to you finding at least a consult from that script because you want to make sure that your script has elements that you're not driving this your car into a brick wall right and so if you can get an experienced person even if you can't afford say professional film festival consultant then get in there with a school teacher, I mean, a film school teacher, get a really experienced producer who's had a lot of films go to a lot of festivals, get in there with you. Find somebody in your town that actually is a programmer at a festival who will tell you the truth. Because if you can get that insight about the redundancies in your script, do you have dialogue that's cliche? Do you have elements in your film that are like this film that happened five years ago that you don't know about, but every programmer and went to like 60 festivals and this has already been told. And how would you know, right? Any insight that you can get as early on as you can get. If you have already shot, then you wanna get a, a strategist in there and get notes before you lock picture. Because if you lock picture and you finish the film and then you bring it to a person like me, I then am going to build a strategy around the film that you have, warts and all. And if there's stuff in there that are is fixable and could be better, even though, listen, you've been editing for months and you've you've pretzeled this thing to death and, oh my God, it was 40 minutes. I got it down to 20. Now you want me to cut it more? You both emotionally and also just in terms of the workflow, have a better opportunity to improve the film by getting feedback from a professional level before you lock picture and you've gone down this road. But I do have 30% of the films I work on are films where they've already locked picture. Maybe sometimes they've already sent it out to a bunch of festivals and didn't get in anywhere. And now they're ready to kind of maybe hear what somebody else has to say. And then that's time and money that could have been saved. But some people need to get out there and just kind of try it themselves and figure it out. And we're here for every stage of that process. And anybody who works in this part of the business wants to help you and wants you to have all the opportunities. So I'd say 30% are people who have already kind of gone out there and were like, oh, wow, this is maybe a bit more deep than I thought. 
and they come back and they get consultation and they get us to jump in and kind of change the direction of the film. But the earlier, the better, the more we can get in there and, and be part of making sure that you have all the information and feedback that you have so that you can make the artistic choices. Some people need to just have a conversation about, listen, this is the story that happened to my mom. And it's a, and it's a common story and it happened to a lot of black women in the, in the fifties. That's a common experience. So our, our own personal films on that subject matter are going to have some similarities. I might want to just tell that story for my mom right on. And you need to and rock that. But make sure that you don't also say, I'm going to make the film I want to make and I want to get into a lot of festivals because you might not be making a festival type of film that makes sense that a lot of people would know what to do with. So these two things, you can't demand both, right? And we want you to tell your stories and then go back and say, of the way that I'm going to roll this out, how am I going to market and promote this film? Are film festivals a part of that overall plan? Don't just assume that festivals is where it's at for your film. And that might, might not be the right path or it might be a little teeny tiny path. It might be, listen, just do festivals around the environment. Just do awareness festivals. You've got a film about recovery. You've got a, a film that's on a really specific subject matter. Maybe it's regional and it thinks outside of the beaten path of the usual kind of commercial festivals that we hear about all the time. That is really, really helpful and definitely something to keep in mind. I think it's kind of one of those things, kind of like sound too, that, you know, we didn't really put a lot of thought into until very last minute. And then we realized we should have brought it on sooner. So it's definitely great information. to. Yeah, keep in mind. I always meet the editor and the sound, the post sound person is part of my first meetings when I get the script done. It goes out to them before even actors sometimes because I need to know from my who my editor, how he or she, how I need to shoot it. Depends on how we're gonna cut it. What's the, what's the vibes, right? <laughs> and understanding that insight so that I can have an evaluation of if my shot list is doable. And having those conversations ahead of time to just show up at the editor's house and dump a bunch of footage and then be like, good luck. Um, the more that you can get those critical parts of your creative team to have a sound design plan, because the more that the, whoever's going to do your post sound can give the list to the on-set sound person, they could be getting environmental sounds and be getting things in production sound that's going to save you money at the end of the road, getting wild lines, getting VO and making sure you're not shooting by the airport. Just things you might not think about when you're first starting out. And room tone. And room tone. <laughs> so, but again, uh, these things happen as you learn it and you learn it by screwing it up, which costs money. So the more that you have wisdom, and that that's another thing that happens when we're in this shoot and upload environment in which we live, which is the benefit of having all this technology and all this accessibility, and that you can directly get your stories directly to people. But what happens in the, in the whirlwind of that is that you can skip the training part, the learning part. And so sometimes those lessons are more brutal and more expensive, which is the trade-off of all the awesomeness of I could go make a film right now in the next two hours and cut it and have it up online tonight and have my people watch it. And that is awesome. Absolutely. So I wanted to touch a little bit on volunteering on festivals, because that's also a really cool way to kind of get your, your feet wet mm -hmm. with the with the networking and everything. So what are some ways people can get involved in these festivals and make the best of it? Maybe, you know, you don't have a film to show it just yet, but it's another way you can get to know people and that can- It's critical. It's, yeah, if you live in LA and New York, rock on because there's a festival every damn weekend. And as the world turns back on and, and hopefully this time next year, festivals will be back to in, in person. There's two kind of areas of festivals I think is really fantastic. Being able to, especially if you live in a town where there's a bigger feature festival and you uh, volunteer with hospitality, 
and get assigned to working with the directors. What an amazing journey to be able to get time driving that, picking that director up from the airport, right? So I love being in hospitality because it's not, I don't use the word networking. It's creating new creative relationships, right? And even if it's somebody, I mean, at some point, I remember AFI every year uh, celebrates a master of cinema. And one year it was Agnes Varda. And imagine the people who were on the hospitality team because they got to just spend time with her and be in the car with her and get to go to her screenings and learn from her. She did all the Q and A's. She did all the events and the press. And there's nothing more critical to the growth of a storyteller than watching a lot of films that other people have made. And so if you have a festival in your town, start offering as a volunteer, as what's called a screener. Some festivals utilize a team of people to go through all the submissions and score them so that the actual programmers can focus on this, not having to invest time on stuff that's not gonna, you know, kind of break the wall. And so some festivals do use volunteer screeners as part of that process. There's no more critical, nothing is done more for my growth as a storyteller and the maturity of my narrative than being somebody who watches thousands of films a year. There's nothing like it. Part of it is seeing what works and what resonates for me and what turns me on and what got my attention, what captured me, who did it really well. But also part of it is really having a better knowledge base and understanding that you aren't the first person to think of these things. And the more that you watch films, you can see what people have already done ahead of you. And to see what, you gotta know that these five other films of the subject matter is out there. There's nothing more informative than getting to watch just a lot of film and hear in the room how programmers talk about it and learn that this is what happens to you and your film a couple of years from now. Most importantly, understanding the work and how festivals actually run as opposed to how everybody thinks they run, which is a lot of mythology around, oh, you got to know somebody and all these excuses and things we tell ourselves to make us feel better about not getting into festivals. There's a why, there's like 20 different reasons at any given day why your film didn't get in, starting with, I didn't like the film, to I played a film really similar to this two years ago to I love this film. It was absolutely stunning. I think you're going to go on an Oscar run. It just doesn't fit the four programs I have. It just doesn't fit. I can't find a place to put it. It just isn't. It's not something I need for what my audience like. I'm not here to serve your need as the filmmaker. I'm here to serve my audience. And so understanding that I'm taking them on a journey and what's my festival about, what's the culture of my festival, what sidebars, what are we as a festival wanting to say to the world and curating how we want to put out there is our job. And so I think sometimes filmmakers get in a place of, I didn't get into that festival, but then I went and I watched the films that they picked and those films sucked and I'm pissed because my film is better is one of the most toxic, destructive things you can do to yourself as a filmmaker. And it's so off the mark because there's 14 different reasons why I didn't program your film. And many of them could include, oh my God, I love this movie. I just called 10 other programmers. And so uh, on behalf of your film, it just didn't fit because I, it's a tough year this year. We've wanted to do a lot more comedy. We want to do a lot more just lighter entertainment because people are just PTSD on a daily basis. And I don't want to program, you know, 14 hours of heavy dramas about people dying and people getting shot in the street. Like people need a break. And so I might be wanting to do a lot more comedy, a lot more family drama, more entertaining, uplifting, inspiring, encouraging things which has nothing to do with the fact that your film rocks will probably win an Oscar. (laughs) There's so many kind of reasons. And so if you kind of get stuck on, I didn't get in because, you know, my sister's brother's girlfriend's teacher is on the board is a lot of times so off the mark. Might make you feel better at the time, but it's not going to help you in the long run. 
because not true many times. So those are really important reasons why anytime you can go to a festival and get insight, some festivals do it better than others. Some festivals do it better some years. This is a rough year for everybody right now. And so right now, just even investing any time to help your local festival survive and be part of the organism that is the festival community is a really important thing. And you'll be able to then connect with people who you dig, being able to learn how festivals run and what they need. But more importantly, I'm telling you, there's nothing more rewarding than meeting somebody who's just volunteered at a festival and spent three months watching films. Their entire mindset, their entire paradigm. And they're so much more grateful. They, they're nicer to programmers overall. It's really critical knowledge base of, of sitting through films, thousands and thousands and thousands of films to find something that resonates for you is a powerful tool. And uh, I can't encourage it enough. I actually do screen as a volunteer for a festival and I can agree that it is a great experience because also sometimes you get to see some really cool movies that otherwise you wouldn't get to. So it would never it's see. A really, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really cool experience. And you learn a lot from what works and what doesn't. So for sure. I wanted to ask you about the programming track because I feel like that is something at least I myself haven't found much information on and I think it's very interesting. So how does one go about becoming a programmer if that is something? Yeah, you start as a volunteer screener and you find festivals that program, have a culture, are committed to, whether it's a women's fest or a Black film festival or your local film festival or a documentary film festival, uh, you start as a screener. There's one, two ways. Start as a screener or you start your own festival or both, right? So I'm somebody who came from the world of, I like these 10 films and I want to show them to people that I think should know about them. So I started my own shit, right? So, but that's a very rare, right time, right place, right resources, right sensibility, you know, but learning how to program is also learning about cinema. So taking really, I think there are business festivals that are people who grow up to be professional programmers at really big festivals tend to be very well-educated film people. They know cinema. They know the history of cinema. They understand filmmaking. And then there is an even, that's a very small group of people. Most festivals are run by local communities and people who just love bringing cinema to their town. And so a lot of those festivals, you'll see that impact on their programming because some of them just bring together local people in in the town that are audience. And they just over the years know what they like and figure out what they like and build a culture about what that festival is about. So, you know, it's a very small percentage of business industry festivals that have, you know, heavy cinephile film critic background or like, I think it's really important if you want to grow up to be a programmer, that you spend time going to festivals to find festivals that you like what they make, what they program. You have to find your taste. There is no collective there's no that's the reason we have multiple people on a filmmaking selection committee is because we want an inclusive program I want films that speak to you or it's not going to speak to me so I want to have a group of people that all have different levels of different types of humor different types of worldview I want a very inclusive group of men and women and non-gender identifying because I want that perspective and that person's going to see something magical in a film that's going to land for them that I might miss because that's not my life experience and I might miss this magical thing in a film that they're like well this really resonated for me because and then you know Hollywood Shorts it's me myself and I I program what I want what I like people that I want to get behind and give stage to and if I don't select you in Hollywood shorts, it's not a personal thing. It's what I just feel like right now. And there's no other justification for it. There's just a certain 
type of film that really blows my mind and certain up and coming filmmakers that I think are ready to take on a million dollar film or ready for their first episode of television. And Hollywood Shorts is a filmmaking community that kind of wants to really focus in that space. So we only program a certain amount of films a month. It's very hard to get in. We're very underground. We don't advertise, right? Um, a lot of people bump into a festival down the street from us called Holly Shorts because they're really public and they're like the biggest short film annual event in town. And they also do a monthly program. So because you'll probably see them for around first, they're a great organization. They do a really good screening to Chinese. I always try to make sure my films play there as well. But we Hollywood shorts is a really specific thing. And it's more of a family and more of a long-term film community. I'm looking for filmmakers. I want to make stuff with I'm looking for filmmakers that I know my fellow producers and investment people are looking for people like this to, to grow and to, to, to level up, as they like to say. So I think all of that starts with, if you're a programmer, what do you want to do? Are you in a small town that doesn't have an independent cinema and you wanna bring hard to find cinema in your town? Are you in a big town and you want activism and you want films that matter? and you want to have symposiums and bring in important social speakers and have political and legislation to get behind. A lot of doc fests, oh, the Awareness Fest in LA is one of my favorite. I try to go every year. And these are people who are changing the world. The United Nations has a film festival. Submissions are coming up. I think their deadline's in May. And these are, they're looking for films with people that change the world. And then they also have a companion compartment where you're in the room with people who literally are changing the world. And you could show your film to them and find people who are at the forefront of technology and legislation and humanitarian engagement and act and activation to connect with with the perfect partners to help change people's lives film festivals accomplish all of these things i like an animation or two i like a comedy i don't mind a zombie film to be honest with you so i'm really passionate about the genre circuits, the Comic-Con film festivals. I love, I love that circuit. I love that community. I'm really proud to be a part of it. I'm really passionate about sci-fi and horror filmmaking, especially as a Black chick. So it's a community that embraced me when a lot of other communities didn't in filmmaking. And I love it. And there's nothing better than going to Comic-Con and sitting in that, you know, that back room and watching crazy sci-fi. I love going to Scream Fest. You know what I mean? my favorite jam. Knowing who you are and finding the festivals that can help you grow your taste and what you dig and what you care about. There's kind of no other way around it. That is amazing. And I'm definitely a lover of Comic-Cons as well. <laughs> so I, I totally get you on that. I volunteer in, in Comic-Cons as well. Those are fun to be part of. If you ever get a chance, there's a Dragon Con and Georgia is phenomenal they program fantastic films and there's one in Chattanooga called NugaCon, I think and they have a great film festival as well and program phenomenal stuff that you would never see at like you know the New York Film Festival and they're just fantastic storytellers and cool people yeah that's awesome before I let you go I wanted to ask you looking back at you know, your career and especially when it comes to putting together your film festival, what would you say was like the biggest lesson you've picked up through all of that experience? The critical lesson that I, that changed my life, that made me what I think is a really compelling storyteller and how, how I, I continue to grow and learn how to do this better are my mentors. Having a mentor, finding people who do it the right way or do it a compelling way or a different way and being able to I'm very I learned to be really really specific about the people I learned from and to focus on that those first two people that hired me were amazing at what they did and to recognize how critical that was to have people that I can inspire me are going to accept nothing but my best and also just blow my mind with their creativity. That, that's nothing more critical. And so I, I've had, I've chosen 
and been really dedicated to to manifesting great mentor artistic mentors for my my life and that to me is the biggest lesson that I learned of how important that is both in the business of things and in my creative side as well the the people I get to work you know I take opportunities because oh my god this writer is somebody I know I can learn from just collaborating, working on a script together, learning how their mind works. I learn more about me and my voice and how my techniques need to grow. And then every day I make a film, I learn how to do something better. I screw something up. There's you know, a problem on set that needs a creative solution. And I'm the person to do it and that I can do it and that I can get better at doing it every day. And that only comes from having that other person on the end of the phone. At no point will I know the answer to everything ever. And knowing the power because of the people in my phone, that no matter what the circumstances is, no matter what the circumstance is, I know there's somebody in my phone that's going to have some good advice for me. And that was the power of, of what I learned. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually, mentorship has been such a key role. Well, even this podcast was born out of meeting Tina and the mentorship she has given me. So definitely in the last year that I've known Tina, I've realized that mentorship can open so many doors for one. And and it, yeah. it teaches you about yourself and it helps you, you know, get grounded and centered. So I absolutely agree. Oh, great. That's awesome. And listen, this all comes out of relationships. Tina and I got to collab on a film. She's one of the best editors I know. I got really, really fortunate and that the timing worked out that a film I was making, she was available to edit. And, you know, I, we've had a lot of common friends over the years. We've been Facebook friends for years. I've, you know, obviously been a fan of all of her work, but to really have a film that she was the right person to join the team and that we became sisters and besties through that process of somebody I really admired and really loved their storytelling. And now to walk this part of, you know, we'll be friends for life. And, and then that's how it, that's how it happens, you know? Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing a My little pleasure. bit about your experience. It was awesome. We hadn't talked about festivals yet, so I'm sure people would love it. Oh, fantastic. I'm glad to give a little tiny tidbit just to pull the curtains back a tiny little bit. You know, I could go on about festivals for hours and hours and hours. So I hope that somebody out there is encouraged or feels a little bit better about this process for our conversation. Thank you so much. Join us again next month on another Real Talk Secrets to Success to learn all the top tips from industry insiders. Until next time.